This time on No Not The Mind Probe, episode number 33, episode one of season four, Lapping Up Luxury. Welcome to New the Mind Probe. That's snotty. If it's your luxury liner, right, you're going to have to deal you know, with those kinds of You haven't done a lot of those with, <laughs> with, with accents, so I like that. Yeah, and add a little French, a little, little, little uh, hoity-toity. Uh, a podcast, yep, uh, where we watch and rank every single Doctor Who story ever, period, ever, ever, mm-hmm. that has ever existed. Mm-hmm. We will rank it, whether mm-hmm. it wants it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, my name is John Grant, uh, and I am a lifelong Doctor Who fan. I've been watching it for 36 years. My name is Porter Mason. John's been asking me to watch Doctor Who for 26 of his 36 years, not consecutively. And I finally said yes about seven months ago. I'll have to figure that out. I don't know. Can't do the the same sense. (laughs) We're moving too quickly. This train is headed, headed out of the station. Each episode, we look at two Doctor Who stories. We go through the new Doctor Who series in order. And then our curator, our sommelier, John, finds a pairing for that news story with a classic Doctor Who story. John, what do we have in store for this episode? Uh, this episode, uh, maybe, maybe some, some tenuous links here. Uh, <laughs> again, I said there would be some that were pretty loose. Uh, but we're we're headed out to luxury liners in space. Uh, we start with the Christmas special for uh, David Tennant's, uh, kicked off David Tennant's fourth season. Uh, the Voyage of the Dam with special guest companion Kylie Minogue. Uh, and then we go back to the Sixth Doctor era, right smack in the middle of the Trial of the Time Lord series. Uh, and the third story in that uh the terror of the verboids it's the sixth doctor and mel first story from mel all right let's recap these episodes all aboard that's just a little not a little wow. bit of nautical fun <laughs> wow <laughs> just a little just that's the kind of spice and seasoning that yeah. that uh, i think the 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 probers the intempers um you know, what's the difference between so there's the probers that's one mm-hmm. sort of like faction of the fans and then there's the end tempers those mm-hmm. are kind of yeah well the tempers a... probably take it more seriously right they'll be, they'll be like yeah, we would right. prefer not to have a name that sort of calls to mind some sort of sexual abuse <laughs> <laughs> right probers are like like to cut loose have a little fun yeah. listen to a podcast We're a good time. Yeah. Yeah. crack mm-hmm. open a cold one you know and just, uh or whip up a probtini are, are you with or without Probtini? I'm without Probtini tonight. Yeah, I wow, had a guest wow. earlier, so okay. I'm trying to get completely first. bombed during the podcast. <laughs> if someone wants to mark this down in the Entemp wiki, that this is an episode uh, without Probtini. The probe water is just not the same. So, <laughs> I have a probe Pellegrino. Mm. All right. Um, <laughs> that has nothing to do with the recaps of these episodes. Is everyone Let's, riveted right. to this podcast? <laughs> So let's start with Voyage of the Damned. As we said, this is season uh, four of sort of the Christmas episodes make this confusing, but it it is season four. It is uh, it is in the fourth season. It's actually season four, episode X, <laughs> but we'll consider it the first episode of the fourth season. It aired on Christmas in 2007. It was story number 188. And John has prepared for us a little little clip. Midshipman, I need you to fire up the engine containment field and feed it back into the core. This is never going to work. Trust me, it'll keep the engines going until I can get to the bridge. We're going to die. Are you saying so? We are. We're going to die. We're going to die. First things first. One, we are going to climb through this ship. B, two, we are going to reach the bridge. Three, we'll see. We're going to save the Titanic. And coming in a very low fall, or D, well, that little IV in brackets, they're using footnotes. Why? Right then, follow me. Hang on a minute. Who put you in charge? And who the hell are you anyway? I'm the Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey, the constellation of Casterberus. I'm 903 years old, and I'm the man who's going to save your lives and all six billion people on the planet below. Now, Punch the air exciting, right? That's right. And and I forgot to mention, this is the Christmas episodes for those of you who live in the United States of America. Think of the Christmas episodes as sort of, in some ways, the BBC equivalent of like, this is like the 
after the Super Bowl episode. Like a lot more people watch these generally. And I believe this one in particular was one of the most watched. This is the highest rated Doctor Who episode of all time, I believe. So I think that's like interesting to keep in mind when watching this and and sort of the target for these Christmas episodes are they need to be somewhat introductory. They certainly, well, they don't certainly need to be, but they can be self-contained because people might just be kind of dipping in and then dipping out. Um, Anyway, so interesting. The TARDIS, uh, smash cut. Yeah, <laughs> the TARDIS. <laughs> uh, well, we remember from the ending of the last episode, the TARDIS, um, the, the Titanic crashed into the TARDIS, which was sort of a fun ending. But also the initial thing that I thought when when that happened was, I didn't realize the TARDIS could be breached in this way. Like <laughs> the hull of the TARDIS was breached with the ship. I mean, uh, that it, is, it technically it, can't. <laughs> it's right, so like all, like all good cliffhangers, Part of the cliffhanger was just dispatched with immediately. It's like, oh, that's actually fine. That's all patched up. There's a throwaway line in here where he talks about forgetting to reset the shields or something like that when he was repairing it after the master's thing. But uh, yeah, it's but it's like not a problem yeah. at all. It's like right, it, didn't, it, it wasn't even really that relevant to the plot, right? I mean, it crashes through and there's this big thing, and it's not like the damage it causes drives the story. Or they just no, like- <laughs> it just gives him a reason to like set off on this adventure. Which when he has these sort of tenuous or just flights of fancy and visits uh, a particular goes on a particular adventure and then it ends up being extremely lucky that he had been there (laughs) as in this case (laughs) um it's always funny anyway he fixes this and he decides hey why not head head on to the the old titanic there and see how things are are going and what he finds is that this is not the titanic that we know and i dare say love uh, this is the Titanic from the future. Uh, it's uh, it, but it is it is a big cruise ship. Uh, but it is a cruise ship shaped and to some extent trying to look like the existing Titanic. But it's actually a, a spaceship, and it's it's orbiting around Earth. And what this is, it, it's it's full of people from all over the universe who are coming to just sort of watch primitive humans. Uh, kind of like in a zoo or i guess more like a safari right because it's, yeah it's confu- i was confused know. too i didn't really thought about it until i was watching it for this uh it's not clear who these people are right so they don't they don't seem to know earth history well right i mean they don't they're no. hearing the tales of christmas as if they're they feel like tourists, yeah. vacationers uh they don't they i think they acknowledge they don't really know the history of the titanic like they don't they thought it was it was just mentioned a lot so they're right. a great name for a boat um <laughs> it was like, uh, oh it's one of their most famous boats like <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I guess are they? So they're sort of aliens who I guess look like humans who are interested in Earth and doing this, or they're from the future. I feel like if they're time travelers, that would be a bigger plot detail. Well, so <laughs> that weird. is. Oh, that's interesting. Right? Are they humans? Uh, um, yeah, that's interesting. I think one of the things is they're going to be largely humanoid and look like humans, except with a few sprinkled in. And again, maybe go back to because it's the Christmas episode, so we can't go too weird with everything. Because as we've discussed before, Doctor Who does pretty well at saying, well, look, these are aliens. They're not just going to look like, uh, hey, it's a human with a weird hat. (laughs) He's an alien. (laughs) You know, they'll really make him different. But in this case, yeah, you're right. I don't know if we know that they're humans. Yeah, it's a little, um, it's a little vague as to what they're supposed to be coming from, but we'll, we'll give it a pass. So anyway, uh, Dr. Boards, he kind of observes what's going on. Of course, he has his uh, his little hall pass that gets him into anything. and the, But they're here to be tourists and, again, observe this current day Earth to kind of gawk at them. As you said, they don't know a lot about him, but that's not... That to me isn't weird because if you're if you're a tourist, you know just only the most cursory thing. I mean, I, I buy that part of it. Well, he sews away and he meets up with uh, a beautiful young waitress. Well, a beautiful waitress. <laughs> no, young, sorry. No offense to Kelly Minogue. Uh, beautiful she's, waitress. She's been around for a while, I think, yeah. A beautiful waitress and kind of um, is talks to her in, in terms of trying to figure out where things are. And she tells him a little bit about things. They head down on an excursion, as you do on a cruise ship, to London, uh, and they're here on Christmas Day. We should say they're they're here. They they came to observe Earth Christmas. This is part of what they came to observe. So they go down to London. I don't know where in London, but 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 
they head down to London to observe Christmas. The problem is no one's there. And they, they decide that the reason is, well, for the last two Christmases, <laughs> the Earth has been terrorized by really aliens. Like yeah, I like that bit. It's like, oh, yes, they're learning. They're actually. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cute. So they come back. And I think it is important. They go off back and forth from the ships by uh, just kind of they, they they don't like touch down on Earth. They're orbiting Earth and they um, they zap down using some little devices uh, down to Earth, which come into play later. So we come back and we find that the ship's captain, who's a great actor, I, I feel like I've seen Jeffrey a million times. Jeffrey Palmer. Yeah. So okay, he, yeah. Um, he was on uh, he was in that show with Judy Dench where they were, you know, they dated as, as young Young people, um, and then we got back together again. And he, um, he's in uh, several of the Bond movies. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, um, as time goes by, um, it's, it's time, as time goes by. That's one of the great like BBC sitcoms where you're like, oh, is this from before they were famous and they're just doing this? And he's like, no, they were very famous and well known, yeah, and they just like, oh, you have this. money, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, well, they're great. Anyway, yeah. um, so the the ship's captain. It seemed Jeffrey Palmer, played by Jeffrey Palmer. He's also the doctor seemed, in uh, who wants his sausages in Faulty Towers. In the and uh, the um, oh, that's uh, where yeah, I, yeah. I'm thinking of him as well. The yeah, dead okay. body one, yeah. Sausages. Uh, so he crashes the ship. He he essentially the equivalent of an iceberg. Here are a bunch of meteors. He turns the ship uh, toward it or, or turns off the shields, but he essentially scuttles the ship. And most of the passengers, I mean, we don't know at the time, but a lot of people are killed during this and the more importantly uh essentially this is the ship is now headed into earth's orbit and is going to become uh, yeah mentions here in wikipedia an extinction an extinction level event like this would be the end of earth at this moment which and they're visiting earth in modern days so let's assume 2007 uh, at the time of this um one guy's left on the on the on the deck on the bridge i should say kind of a junior guy uh, but he sticks around he's there the doctor's there with his waitress buddy and a couple other people and then the other thing that's there are a bunch of robots very reminiscent these robots of the robots yeah. uh, of yeah. death robots of death right um in fact i thought we were going to see something that it was it was them somehow and uh, that didn't pan out but uh so they head to the bridge. These robots have been activated to further kill people. <laughs> um, everyone's <laughs> dead from the crash, and then the, the, the robots are violent. supposed to like clean up the rest of the the death. And and we don't know really why. Still, other than like maybe it's like eh, maybe the captain's crazy. We have seen before this point that this whole thing is done by a uh, crazy rich person. We can all relate to that. Mm-hmm. And um and we but. But he's just kind of a character there. We don't know about him. We'll meet him more later. So he goes to see the and these the robots are called the host. Uh, they're kind of called one thing, kind of like the Borg. So then he, we're taken to see the leader and we find of the host. He The doctor kind of hones in on where that would be. And we find out it's this crazy rich guy, Max Capricorn, who's just a head. He's just a <laughs> head. Head in a box, people. <laughs> I think the doctor, especially given David Tennant and the writing of Dr. Crew, there's a lot of just head jokes that were missed out on there. You know, <laughs> uh, he only wanted to get ahead. Things like this really could have really could have uh, livened up that part of that. Just episode. left money on the table. I agree. Uh, so I, 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 yeah, I don't know. Maybe you can tell me I didn't totally track why he was doing this, but he's. He was really out of money, so it was sort of an insurance scheme. Well, he'd been uh, he had been fired right. by his own board. I He's think. like famously rich, so everyone <laughs> right. like knew him as rich. But it was like a Donald Trump situation where it's like maybe yeah. he's not as rich as everyone thinks. And then, then yeah, they ousted him from his board, and to get revenge on them, he set this whole thing up where I think uh, the ship crashing would destroy the company and his, his reputation. But then he shorted or did something that you do with money that the destruction of the company would actually be good for him somehow uh and then they cornered yeah. the concentrated frozen orange juice market at the end so. yeah <laughs> yes that's very important looking good uh so 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 financial uh, stuff is afoot and i didn't mention our little group here are the doctor and the waitress doctor and kylie minogue then we have a sniveling rich guy and we have a co- and then we have a balakavalata balakavalata yes balakavalata uh a smaller gentleman with and he does have a costume he kind of looks like 
Darth Maul and but like a devil or version of it. he is all red. Um, and then and then we have two again, we don't know if they're humans, but two uh, really overweight folks who are kind of sitting in place of they're the lower class people who got onto this generally upper class ship. And we kind of learn a funny detail, not funny, but a, an interesting detail about them, which is that they keep saying, well, they're here because they won a contest. And she says, I have to reveal to you, we won the contest because I spent like 15 grand to win the contest. So I could have just bought the tickets. And they just have a sweet moment where they just, this is after things are already kind of not looking good here. And and uh, they have a sweet moment where they're, you know, just laugh about this. Well, again, um, it's so Russell that's our little group. It's, it's his brilliance of, he, de- he does this these characters. It's, it's with about three or four lines a piece, he creates characters you suddenly care about them right and yeah and he's just gonna kill them off <laughs> like a scene later yeah but he yeah, wants they get killed, emotional death right yeah, Bolly, Bolly gets killed. well everybody gets killed yeah, yeah actually he's very um, but he's so good at that just spoilers, spoilers. by the way <laughs> by the way <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast spoilers for everything um i, I might spoil citizen kane i might spoil <laughs> infinity war i'll spoil all of it so um yeah but anyway that's our little group and they're, they're kind of moving on the ship and the doctor's leading them we in the clip we heard at one moment before where they kind of set off and he the doctor as he often does takes this leadership role and the sniveling rich guy is sort of confronting him saying like who are you anyway and we have that little action hero uh john McLean moment so um the the waitress does survive all, all the way to the end she's the one who ends up killing capricorn they get to the bridge uh, he does a pretty cool maneuver where they dive further into the atmosphere and uses the heat from reentry to restart the engines. They're, these are nuclear engines. You know, who knows how this all works? Um, and and by the way, up until this point, Earth had Earth had avoided an alien interaction, but then uh, immediately did have a, a spaceship about to kill them all. And then so then we have some nice moments and and throughout the waitress and the doctor getting to know each other we're feeling similar vibes kind of like uh well a bunch of similar vibes but to me it felt similar to the previous christmas episode where i'm like oh this could be a i mean i know where this is going because i know donna's coming back uh although i guess i didn't know if she was coming back next episode or not but uh i i thought at one, he did a good job i will say this of like by the end of the episode of like she would have been a fun companion i would have liked this it would have gotten into the romantic again because they like she was clearly interested and uh and he seemed interested by the end they had a real chemistry and i thought by the end of the episode i was i was like disappointed like you said we just met her this episode. It's not an extremely long episode by the end. Well, i guess it was a little longer than normal. But uh, by the end i really I was really sad for her and sad that we didn't get to see them go on a few adventures or something because I felt that there was there was a chemistry there between them. Yeah, anyway, it's funny though, um, but it's funny because it is yeah. he's always sort of moping around or complaining about how lonely he is and all this right. kind of stuff. And like every time he steps out of the box, he meets someone, a woman who like hurls like beautiful women throwing themselves at him. <laughs> well, this may be unique to David Tennant uh, regeneration. You know, uh, <laughs> yes, not it happen as much in the old ones. Throwing themselves <laughs> at Sylvester McCoy, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't know why I pick out him. But uh, anyway. <laughs> So uh, and the reason why she dies, and it is a very pretty ending too, because she is dying, and the she had the uh, uh, the teleport bracelet on, so they kind of are able to partially regenerate her. Uh, but we find out it's not really her, or they can't regenerate her all the way. So she had never been able to really travel. So she's working on this cruise ship, but she never really gets to explore the universe. So she. I'm sorry, he, the doctor, dissipates her atoms like across the universe. And so she's finally able to travel. And it's a, it's a very pretty ending. Again, it's a very um, sort of deep and heartfelt. And it feels like a character that yeah. we're giving this ending to that's, oh, well, after a couple seasons, like we're finally going to let her go. It's like, we just met her. Martha was just sort of dispatched with. <laughs> it's like, all right, Martha, see ya. And she's like, ah, I'm not coming anymore. Martha. All right. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, Martha basically is like, you know what? I'm done with this. And the doctor's like, all right, well, I'll <laughs> see you around. <laughs> all right. Kylie Minogue's waiting on a spaceship for me. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that, there's there's that. There's that. A fun yeah. episode. It fun is a fun episode. episode. Uh, uh, as I said, it got big ratings. I think the, the highest rated, I think it was number one, uh, the highest rated uh, Doctor Who up till that point, possibly still. 
Uh, and it was big. Uh, obviously, Kylie Minogue adds to it. I and, feel I'm going like, to confirm it is still the highest viewership yeah. of any episode. Yeah. I feel like Kylie Minogue is, I mean, she's big in the U.S., but I, uh, you know, I, I know gay people and they like her. Um, but yeah. I feel like she's bigger in the U.K. I think she's, This uh, is she's my thing. Oh, well, she's an Australian singer. And my thing was, I know that name so well. I'm like, oh, yes, Kylie Minogue. I know it. And then I was like, what songs does she sing? And then I even Googled them. I didn't I didn't play all the songs. Maybe if I had heard them more. But I didn't know a single name of any of the songs. And I was like, and then I was trying to go through and say like, well, but what were the ones that really got popular for her? And it's like, none of them even looked familiar to me. I was so surprised. I thought I, because that name is very familiar to me. I wonder if she's, she must be like high on the UK charts, maybe less less than the US. Um, And besides her, uh, there are a lot of uh, well-known actors in this. Jeffrey Palmer, you already mentioned. you have Russell Tovey plays the uh, uh, Alonzo, the uh, ship's uh, oh, yeah. ship. Oh, yeah. He, uh, he just was, I think, early for him. So I don't think he'd done as much. He may, uh, I was, He's in some show, I think, uh, early on where he was playing a werewolf, I think, and he, he roomed with a vampire. <laughs> oh, and let me mention that. Uh, his character's name was Alonzo. So the doctor got to say Alonzi, Alonzo. Alonzi, Alonzo, yeah. Uh, so that was an early role for Toby. He's very good. Um, Clive Swift plays Mr. Copper. Uh, he played Hyacinth's long-suffering husband in Keeping Up Appearances. Uh, and he's another sort of legendary sitcom, like Jeffrey Palmer. He's kind of just this legendary sitcom actor who's been around forever. He, he just passed away a few years ago. Um, and he'd actually done a Doctor Who before. He'd been in the Sixth Doctor episode. Uh, and and this is the gentleman who sends him on the excursions. Yeah. And uh, I forgot. I forgot that he was part of the little uh, our little yeah, party of Mr. Pals. Copper. Um, uh, and then uh, you have the guy selling the newspapers is Bernard Cribbins, uh, who um, uh, is a very well-known character actor. He's been in movies and TV and such from the 60s. He's the, he's the Earthling. Yeah. Uh, but interestingly, so he was just booked for a little cameo to do that uh and then the actor playing uh donna's uh, grandfather or father which one uh died um after they filmed a few scenes actually for the first story and so they had to recast and uh and the um uh one of the producers said to russell davies because they'd already filmed the um uh filmed the christmas episode, he said, can you just maybe we just change the name and align the plot uh, the story a little bit and he could just become donna's grandfather uh, and so they just by chance, <laughs> since he's around, so we'll, working with him, he'll be. So we see him again. Yeah, he comes back throughout the season. Uh, oh but wow! Th- at the time that this was filmed, they didn't realize he had any connection to Donna. Only, only later is that you know sort of retconned him. So that's kind of cool. Um, uh, it's got obviously it's a big splashy special effects. The Titanic uh, is 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 very well done, uh, and you get a lot of explosions and things like that. Um, and I should say when 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 they do the the pull in to restart the engines. It, you know they come in barely crushing earth and basically they're headed right toward buckingham palace yeah. and so and and then they pull they're able to pull up right in time so that's a cool yeah a and well let me, right, so that's that's where i want to focus because i think i think this is one of the greatest moments in doctor who history and only doctor who could do it kylie minogue has taken a forklift and driven a head in a box into a fire pit <laughs> So she's right. gone. Yes. The doctor has announced that he's in charge, has ascended uh, through the bridge floor, being carried by angel, robot angels. Uh, he then has to yes. get the ship to restart. This is all happening on uh, Christmas yeah. Day. All we're all yeah. watching this. Uh, he has to. So he, he has to. Uh, he plunges the ship towards Earth. It then realizes it's heading towards Buckingham Palace. Call picks up the space phone next to the mm-hmm. <laughs> calls, yes. uh, and calls the queen. We see the queen in her fuzzy pink slippers with the corgi shuffle out running with the corgi. down the hallway. The ship goes over Buckingham Palace, and she's in the courtyard going, "Thank you, Doctor." Waving to go. A lot of people didn't like this. I think uh, a lot of, sort of uh, hardcore great. fans were like, "No." I was like, "Only Doctor Who could do that." There is no other show ever that could get away with that sequence of events. <laughs> well, and what I would say is, it's so much fun. And I think like I think this is a pretty great episode to be the highest viewed ever. Meaning if you watch this and they're like, I want more of that. It's like, <laughs> well, good. You're going to get more of that. I mean, like you are like this is a, it's not going it's not selling you a bill of goods here. It's like, yeah, this is kind of what the show does. Like yep. it's a over the top <laughs> version, but but not 
like if they could do every episode like if they had the budget for it, they would like that this is all the stuff that happens on a on a doctor who episode yeah it's completely mad and it's, it's wonderful i i i really do I, because of that sequence in, in large part because i just it always makes me think i'm like wow i i don't i can't conceive of how you could actually get if you deliberately wanted to get here, I'm not sure how you would do it. Right? If you architected, I want to be able to pull this scene off by the end of season one. I don't know how you do it uh, without it becoming sort of this wacky Douglas Adamsy sort of zany thing that, that maybe you don't want to go for, which isn't quite what Doctor does. Well, let's move on to our classic episode, Terror of the Verboids. Uh, this is season 23. Story number three here, serial number three. Uh, it is the 143rd uh, of the Doctor Who stories. It is four episodes. It aired uh, basically the whole month of November in 1986, one of the first through the 22nd. It's, uh, we have the, um, oh, oh <laughs> this is just after Perry died. Ah, yes. Uh, yes, so, so uh, have, it um, opens uh, Mel. Perry's death uh, has been revealed in the. Uh, but uh, and this is uh, uh, what I was searching for is this is the part of the trial of the time Lord. So uh, we'll hear more about that. But um, let's hear a quip from Terror of the Vervoids. Well, till we meet again, Mel. Yes, Doctor. Uh, don't say that. No, I owe you my thanks, Doctor. But let's make this the sweet sorrow of a final party. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you'll remember that the next time we get a Mayday call. She means that, too. Memory like an elephant. That's his idea of a compliment, comparing me to an elephant. It's so ludicrously inappropriate, I find it amusing. <laughs> well, at least if you're laughing, you can't be singing. Have you ever heard his rendering of On With The Motley? Count your blessings. <laughs> Bye. Did none of the unfortunate creatures survive, Doctor? No, my lady. Had even a leaf survived and fallen on fertile soil, a vervoid would have grown. Every vervoid was destroyed by your ingenious plan. Yes. Whether or not the doctor has proved himself innocent of meddling is no longer the cardinal issue before this court. He has proved himself guilty of a far greater crime. You refer to Article 7 of Gallifreyan law? No, my lady, that cannot apply. Had a single vervoid reached Earth, a human race would have been eliminated. Article 7 permits no exceptions. The Doctor has destroyed a complete species. The charge must now be genocide. This is a great example, folks, uh, about of, of why you don't represent yourself. Because if you're not careful... Midway through the trial, they'll just switch with the entire trial as about if they and, find evidence or something else. And often they'll switch it to genocide. I yeah. mean, <laughs> like, well, you know what? It's genocide now. It's there. Now, aren't you sorry? Yeah, this trial of the time wards is a real kind of like a whitewater situation where they're just like, let's just kind of ask questions until we find something. Uh, all right. I'm going to attempt to explain this, but I got to admit, yeah. I didn't. Um, I, I didn't. I, I general I, I I didn't dislike this episode that much, but I had a real hard time following what was going on. I'm going to read to you just some. Sometimes I'm going to read to you just some of the Wikipedia uh, explanation. <laughs> um, on on board the Hyperion Three, which is uh, as we mentioned another space cruise liner. That's the opening scene. We're kind of uh, seeing a bunch of people board this cruise liner. A man named Kimber thinks he recognizes an investigator, investigator named Hallett. However, he claims to be a mineralogist called Grenville, and a trio of other scientists, Lasky, Bruckner, and Dolan, are alarmed that Grenville might be an investigator. I mean, like, Everybody get that? There are so <laughs> many people, like, and, and several unmentable names. Yeah. Uh, here's another, and then and then the communications officer Edwardus detects that there's the TARDIS is close. Can't get a response. Suddenly, someone attacks him, injects him with a syringe. He dies. Then, he, but he sends an SOS to the TARDIS. They board the Doctor and Mel. I like Mel, by the way. We we see her in a uh, 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 Delta, yeah, Delta and Bannerman. <clears throat> yeah, Delta and the Bannerman. And uh, she and I can't explain why I I enjoy her more than than Perry. Um, and I hate to keep denigrating poor Perry, but uh, she because. I like Mel. She's so uh, she, not ditzy isn't the right word. She's like a space cadet. Like she just 
not really like things are going on. She's like, I don't know. It's all she's just really going with the flow. And yeah, not she's too just worried. game, right? She's just like, okay, is this what we're doing now? Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna kill these aliens. Okay, let's go. Never seems that worried. <laughs> totally unfazed. Um. Anyway, so they head uh into the cruise liner. They're uh into the cargo hold. They're they're brought to the the uh, the Commodore, and uh the doctors met him before. So then we try to see who sent them a message uh we show mel how to tape her exercise and then there's we find that someone's broken into the hydroponics okay so now we're finding out some of the plants we're getting into the plant okay (laughs) so uh we she in listening to her (laughs) exercise videos on her headphones she hears someone telling her to take the doctor over to, to another cabin she sees these pods in the hydro uh no no she doesn't but lasky doland and bruckner whoever these people are they go into the hydroponics we see that there's these seeds which we are suddenly told the demeter seeds uh silver demeter seeds we're suddenly told these are very important they've been stolen okay uh then there's, back. Yeah. then there's been an accident and someone's died people people are dying rather the captain is like not too concerned <laughs> um and we find out that one of the people who i guess we're supposed to care about is 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 has been killed we go to investigate we see these plants growing um someone's being turned into a plant uh, then they're the Mogarians. I don't know where they came from or why <laughs> I'm supposed to know about them. I guess they were there in the beginning when we were all having coffee on the ship before we launched. Maybe uh, we reveal kind of Scooby-Doo like it's not a Mogarian. It's actually Grenville. I don't know why that's such a shock. Um, and, and I'm saying again, the I think the thing I'm not getting across in watching this, it's all pretty entertaining to watch. It's just in trying to piece together the plot. Like I'm like, I, Reading the summary on Wikipedia, I'm like, I don't even remember any of this. Ultimately, there are these plant people, and uh, th- they're trying to turn humans into plant people to revive, I guess, this race, maybe. Uh, they are the uh, aforementioned vervoids. And yes, if one leaf gets anywhere, it's a problem, except there are leaves all over the ship. <laughs> it's not a, it's not a problem when, when they're killing them. Uh, they emit some sort of swamp gas, marsh gas. Uh, that is poisonous, but also maybe maybe turns you into one of the plants. The plants look like cut in half avocados or or vaginas, yeah. certainly. Uh, both 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 at the same time. Um, and they ultimately kind of defeat. I'm skipping over so much because like I don't know. A bunch of stuff happens, and then the, they ultimately uh, defeat the plants. And then you hear this this issue is brought up that um that well you've you've destroyed this entire race, but but the race would have infected the entire human race uh at that point so yeah and then and then again once it's all over again mel is so light and like oh well great it all worked out <laughs> she moves on it's just i don't know she's very engaging but uh probably not her but, first genocide and then yeah, again was, yeah. this is all set within the context of this trial now i didn't i haven't seen the previous episodes of this but this you'll tell me more about it. it's apparently the entire season and it, this is my first time seeing that and the the trial piece of it and it just strikes me as so odd that they made it a whole season long. I mean, it's certainly a big swing of like, Hey, what about this? Let's just make, but it also just kind of feels like the writers were bored and was like, we want to write a courtroom drama. (laughs) Um, And they just liked it so much that they're just going to keep writing it because it's not really, it's a weird uh, thread. I I just don't get the point of it. So maybe you'll talk more about that. That's what happened. It's all pretty, it's honestly fairly entertaining. It's not so bad, but like, wow, it is. There are certainly times where like, I have no idea what just happened um, in terms of trying to follow the plot. And it's only four episodes. And when I was going through and reading this, I was like, oh, was this one of those six, seven episodes? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but now i guess it's only four episodes you know for all that episodes. entertainment into one yeah uh into four um yeah so this is a uh so it's back out to the trial of the time lord yeah. uh so doctor who had been declining the ratings uh and the six doctors first season was kind of a disaster and so they announced they were going to put the show on hiatus which is always a bad thing um 
everybody got all upset and was like, oh, no, no. And they said, no, no, it's coming back. We didn't cancel it. Uh, we're going to take a, a little bit longer break. And then we're going to uh, we're gonna come back and do this trial season. So on this 14-episode trial. And, you know, sort of a, a nod to, well, this is sort of a trial for the show, too, right? Can it still, can it still you know, stay right. in the audience and can we keep going? Uh, Answer, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it bombed. Really. It tanked. Uh, but no, so they had – and then they were sort of – the script editor was like, well, you know, how do you keep people engaged for 14 episodes? across the whole season uh or a single story would be confusing he thought or difficult uh and so you know we'll have this this arc story with the trial and then we'll have the individual stories as evidence uh throughout um but yeah it does it leads to the weird structure of them interrupting to to ask questions or to point things out there's another underlying thing going on which is a problem is um uh, so all the evidence comes from the matrix, which is this repository of all time Lord knowledge, sees everything, I guess. Uh, and we've introduced that before. Um, and it, it, it's supposedly infallible, right? It has to, it, it, through the use of time travel technology or whatever, it can see sort of all the al- alternatives and realities or whatever. And uh, I can give you complete information. Uh, and so the doctor keeps saying, this isn't what happened. Like it's showing the wrong things. And they're of course like, oh no, it can never be wrong. Um, so there's a service sort of strangling through the whole uh, season of is what we're seeing ra- uh, real or not? Is it reliable or not? Um, the, pro- the problem is, and there's a couple of ways. Uh, this one, they have the scene where uh, he wrecks the radio room. He's just standing in the middle of the, of the radio room with an axe. Uh, and he's like, I, wh- that doesn't make any sense. Why would I do that? This wasn't this wasn't that way when I watched this earlier. The problem is that they, they the, script, the script editor and the writers could not, uh, did not agree on what was going on. Nobody actually said, okay, someone is manipulating the Matrix or someone is not. The editors didn't agree <laughs> with the writers? No, no, the writers and just all the writers who were working on the season just didn't get together on it. Oh, oh, okay. And so the actors were going, well, wait, did this really happen or not? How am I supposed to? And they, and they were like, uh, we'll call someone. <laughs> they had no idea <laughs> if what was supposed to be going on. Was it, was it being manipulated or not? It's never really settled. Um, part of the problem is that the whole season, uh, was architected to end with a two-parter uh, by the ultimate foe by uh, yes, by Robert Holmes, who had written um, uh, he's written several ones. We've, we've uh, watched some. He's Tom Baker's uh, script editor, and um, Robert Holmes died uh, after finishing only one episode, and no one knew how oh, no. it was supposed to end. So the whole episode to wrap it up, no one had any idea how it was supposed to end. Are the uh, actors still calling up the writers <laughs> to this day being like, but there is but, a lot. Yeah. But what was it supposed to have been? No well, one, so, no so, uh, uh, so Robert Holmes dies, takes most of the story with him, the ending, the script editor, Eric Sayward, uh, is, had been working with Holmes. So he had ideas about what the ending was going to be. Then he gets in a huge fight with the producer quits and takes the ideas with him and says, I will not allow you to use anything like it in the show. Oh, so then they had to bring in, uh, so the, actually, they brought in to fun, write the final episode these two writers, Pippin and Jane Baker, uh, and they couldn't tell them anything about anything that Sayward might have written, right? Because they didn't want it to look like they were stealing his ideas. So they had to go in, read all thirteen scripts leading up to this, and then figure out an ending. Oh <laughs> so it's um, it's plagued by troubles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's um, it, it strikes me the whole thing um, strikes me as a framing device more for like hey we need to do some clip shows yeah. hey can we can we do some clip shows we'll have trial of the time lord allow us to kind of show some classic who bits from before and then we'll put them on trial like i, I feel like they, i think they did this on star trek next generation like yeah, i feel exactly. like i remember an episode like that um but to somehow and i don't know exactly why that those those shows aren't usually great those clip shows um this seems so much more challenging because like from a writing perspective, like if you're if you're taking clips from previous ones and just trying to fit it together, well, we all do that. Like you said, this is a big hobby of Doctor Who fans is trying to tie things together or whatever. But to try to write the stories that you're calling back to and the story that's tying them together at the same time is I, I think it's pretty challenging, even if you were to do it really well. And, and you know, maybe this isn't even done. Yeah, well. um, it's 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 a bit of a mess. <laughs> it's very rough. Uh, Pippin and Jane Baker had written a few other things, or I guess before now, they uh, just one of the story, uh, a six, an earlier six doctor story. Um, they're a married couple. Uh, I think my uh, writing partnership uh, and um, th- they were sort of known for writing uh, 
stories are more aimed at kids, like I guess, or they're a little bit simpler, or they tried to incorporate more basic science into the into the, some of the stuff. And you see that here with some of the um, what is agronomy stuff. Well, the doctor stops and, occasionally and does teach us vocabulary words and stuff like that, which is jarring in the middle of this episode with the vagina monsters to suddenly have them <laughs> like, you know, talk about where uh where uh, zebras come from <laughs> i don't know in time and place um uh, what did you think of the doctor uh this is his uh they softened the character he's yeah. much softer uh, without I well i never the the you told me this before this harshness um of the previous episode that that was honestly never the thing that i disliked about him in some of the previous episodes it was more the either do from the script or just him giving bad direction as an actor or, or, you know, I'm sure he's a fine actor. Um, Is his choices as an actor in the previous episodes that I've saw from him were just so bizarre. I, I, he would get angry or joke about things seemingly unrelated to anything else that was going on around him, particularly with Perry, particularly in the interaction with the companion. And I didn't feel that here. So I like, it was like, a little better than that still not my favorite but it was more it was like frustrating to watch him in some of the other yeah. episodes oh this is this is a weird one actually because uh because you, this is mel's first story um uh in the television series um but she's obviously been traveling with the doctor for some time at this point in their you know in the fictional storyline right when, when they cut into this um so She's introduced her companions introduced without an introduction story, right? She's just already there. Um, so, is this her know, first episode? Yeah, this is the very first. So they oh, had to do a lot of work, I think, to you know create this character. It, it takes a while. I mean, I think it was she's a uh, computer programmer from Pea's Pottage from the 1980s. Um, so she can program space invaders and stuff like that, I guess. Uh, and she was, uh, you know, they give her the other she's got a memory, she's got a great memory, and she's you know, got all these little skills. She's pretty resourceful, um, but we have no idea anything about her. We don't know where she comes from, and it's never actually been explained. Uh, <laughs> they, they. Uh, so at the end of this, not episode, the audio thing. The audio's tried. There's been some books that have tried, but nothing official. Um, uh, she, because uh, to the end of this episode, um, they go off onto further adventures because that's just a recording. But then at the beginning of the next episode, they bring Mel from some other unspecified point in her timeline to the space station uh, to, to testify or something like that. And then at the end of that, she just goes off with the doctor. She's like, oh, yeah, well, I guess I'm with you. <laughs> so her timeline is a mess as well and has never really been established uh, what's going on. Um, and then just a quick shout out to uh, Professor Lasky. Did you recognize the actor? What's your name? Professor Lasky, no. This is Honor Blackman, best known as Pussy Galore from Goldfinger. Oh, okay. Yeah, and she was in the Avengers as well. Um, but yes, uh, it's just a little cameo from a, a screen legend. Well, amidst trying to uh, sort out, you know, avocados from vaginas, <laughs> I miss that. <laughs> themes, themes, themes. All aboard. I'm just going back to <laughs> sort of a theme horn. Uh, we are adhering to the repeating themes here on No, Not the Mind Probe. We like to see things uh, repeated because we just, we d- if we only see things once, it just becomes immediately exciting when you see it a second time. Like, I see so, that so we like that. Yeah. Um, you know, cruise ships obviously are a big theme. <laughs> uh, I think no, this, but Doctor oh. finally said something serious about cruise ships that we all need to hear. <laughs> um, and timely, timely. Yeah, the cruise timely, industry. Yeah. I mean, like where we are right now. We don't want to go clearly, back to where things were. Clearly, presaged uh, COVID nineteen. This whole thing. So uh, no, we were actually going to talk about more about Voyage of the Damned and about uh, movie, not necessarily parodies, but movie kind of re reimaginations or when when who uses a, a classic movie as the sort of template for a plot um you were saying the uh this uses i mean there's a movie called the voyage of the damned but the, the, the not this use the that adventure have you, you seen the poseidon adventure with gene hackman i have but i'm saying there's there's an actual movie also called voyage uh, of the damned yeah. is that the same thing that's different no i don't but think anyway. so uh you know, so this yeah, is a poseidon adventure yeah this is clearly a poseidon adventure uh right down to the um uh the ship tipping over and the tables and the you know all the guests being crushed under the in the, in the um in the dining room uh you know that's 
almost shot for shot from from the when the tidal wave hits uh, in the Poseidon Adventure, um, and then you know have to climb through the ship uh, and get to the you know this place of safety, uh, which is what they referred to it as the place of we must get to the place of safety. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean it's, it's basically a remake. Uh, what's, what's interesting is it's uh, I don't know. Or is it a, is it a remake? Is it a homage? What do we call right, it? You know, right. uh, we get very upset. People get very upset. Like I said, about it's remakes. not a parody because yeah. that would that would mean it's sort of making the light of it. It's, no, not... it's it's almost the author just going, "Oh, I like the plot of the Poseidon Adventure. We'll do that." <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've talked about before. Uh, when we've talked about this before, it's had to do with reworking classic horror tales, mm-hmm. which they've done a couple times, and you think of. It with Doctor Who have just they have had to tell uh, you know as we're going to talk through 360 stories or whatever it's like hey you're going to need some starter <laughs> some starter logs there to get those fires going so it makes sense to use these things as a as a template um, and if it's like from a good story then it implies the the bones are good there obviously you watch this and then watch the Poseidon Adventure there's some pretty different things going on yeah. but yeah. Um, but uh, just pulling from it the basics of the plot um you know helps yeah. move things along and there's also like i guess there's the fun of sort of you have doctor as we sort of just mentioned uh you have such a unique viewpoint that doctor who has and unique characters uh and i mean i think a lot of the sort of writers room breaking of these stories it's like hey what if doctor who was in jurassic park like, you know, <laughs> like can you imagine what if doctor who were you know downton abbey and like they just play and i mean they do kind of touch on everything they sort of like oh wouldn't it, you know we've never had him you know in a medical drama <laughs> and you just keep adding these storylines and then you sort of see all right how does my character play uh in the storyline and maybe part of the reason they can get away with it more for doctor who is because doctor who is such a cultural icon itself right it's 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 like saying whatever would happen to Santa Claus was in the Poseidon Adventure, right? Like it's sort of a, it's it's not just a, a, a sort of little character on a show. It's 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 just kind of a. Uh, I'm probably trumping up more than I need to, but yeah, it's just a, it's a big thing to. It's like mixing your action figures when you were a kid. I mean, the right, characters right. from Star Wars start coming around with the Transformers. And, uh, and, Does it ever get like particularly heavy handed um, where you feel like, yeah, this is a little much Doctor Who? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I feel, like, I feel like there are sometimes maybe where I'm trying to give an example where they uh, they clearly want to get to an iconic moment. Right. They're trying to set up like having a pose or saying a line or doing something that is just an iconic reference to something, some great film or, you know, whatever the story they're doing. And sometimes it feels like they're working too hard for, you know, it's like, OK. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You're going through a lot of hoops to get him to stand in that spot <laughs> and say, right, you know, right. I don't want any more snakes on this plane. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a movie called Voyage of the Damned. It sounds pretty good. And it was nominated for several Academy Awards. Uh, it, is it was a Ridd Allen a, movie. Something? Stuart Rosenberg. And it is about uh, an ocean liner <laughs> also uh, during kind of beginning or pre-world war ii it was uh, a liner full of german refugee uh jewish people who were seeking asylum they went to cuba they were turned away and they went to the u.s they were turned away and um, like unfortunately they had to be they had to actually go back to europe um so it sounds like light. That, yeah it's it pretty star said it had a uh, uh, faye dunaway lee grant max von Sydow, all these like uh James, James Mason. Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> I don't want to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ranking. We have ranked uh, a lot of uh, these stories. We've ranked 60, uh, 64. Sounds like something we do, yeah. Yeah. Um, 62. This will be 64. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? But there's 295 of them, John, yeah. and we've ranked not nearly, not nearly enough, not nearly enough. Ooh, um, so I'll start off uh, with mine. Uh, these often we get episodes that uh, feel they get ranked in the same place. This is not one of those no, occasions. Yeah. <laughs> Voyage of the Damned. suffer a bit next to Voyage of the Damned. I really, really enjoyable episode, as, as we've said. Uh, it it has some it's it to me it's it. it it's so charming and the ending is great and the uh, chemistry between him and Kyle Minogue is so good. That's really what's driving it. But ultimately it doesn't drive it past other ones where I thought the plot where that was also there. And then the plot was also really interesting. 
So it ends up to me, I kind of kept rising up until I hit uh, the empty child doctor dances. And I'm like, well, it's not better than that. So uh, <laughs> and then I was very dismissive. It's like, hey, you're not better than that. So just back off. <laughs> so that ends it. But that ends uh, it with pretty high. Melissa, it's uh, number 14 out of um, out of, uh, you know, 50, 60 some here. Terror of the Vervoids, like I said, it's sort of the opposite thing where it's like, it's pretty incomprehensible from the, from the plot. Well, actually, it's similar. So it's pretty incomprehensible from the plot. The plot's bad. But I kind of enjoyed watching it. The performances were okay. The costumes were ridiculous and evocative of some very interesting things, but pretty cool looking and a very different looking kind of monster, if you will. Um, so, and I really liked the setting on the cruise ship. I thought they just like played all that well. So I ended up kept dropping and dropping. I put it just above. I, 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 I'll be. I'll pull back the curtain here. I ranked this a couple weeks ago, and, uh, and so I, I turned back to it tonight when we're recording the podcast to be like, where are I ranking it? It's like it's ranked a little higher than I think it should. It, but <laughs> I might be just colored by reading that plot summary of like, boy, that sounds bad. <laughs> but my feeling when I right after I watched it was I put it. Just below Silver Nemesis, right above Impossible Planet Satan Pit. So it's at the bottom. Uh, it's either at the the top of the middle or I'm sorry, the bottom of the middle or the top of the bottom. It's like it's not getting into the really, really awful ones. Um, but um, but yeah, reading that plot summary, I'm not so sure. But I'm going to leave with it. I must have just enjoyed kind of, you know, meeting Mel and and just the the, the atmosphere of it was fine and and stuff like that but yeah how did you how did you have these ranked John? i can't i'm kind of the same actually uh, and then, so that ends up being sorry uh number 48 is where i had it yeah something like that um yeah i mean i'm kind of the same with you on the reasoning and, and roughly the positioning um uh as you say voices of the dam is just it's charming it's it's quintessential doctor who uh it's it's so happy it's just so cheerful i mean there's a lot of people yeah. die quite violently i know but, that's true <laughs> horrifically uh but um uh but you know it's still sort of this very affirming doctor who moment uh and uh and i think that's just what makes it uh it's great but I've, I've you know seen it many times it's perfect for christmas um uh or for christmas day watching uh and um uh and yeah it, it's it's rewatchable just because it's fun and, and you know, clearly david Tennant is in full command of the show yes. having a great time uh you know, just uh, just giving us all. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I I think uh, I think I have it. Um, like you, I, I couldn't quite bring myself to put it ahead of too many. Uh, it's a it's a romp. It's not a plot driven. It's a romp, right? You just romp around yeah. in, in a spaceship romp. set. A romp uh, so I've got I've, there and pizza. I, I've got it pretty high. I've actually got it at number uh, six, um, just below Blink, uh, and I've got it with Tooth and Claw, which is also a sort of a similar really good romp right a, a runaround story that um is, is simple but you uh, it's it very certainly well sc- scores high in the category which we already discussed of hey would you just show this to a random person to say like hey this is a good example of doctor who it's certainly high in that category like i think it would be a lot of fun yeah i mean i i sort of thought that doctor who was going to really take off in the uh, u.s gay community once they all were like well kylie minogue's in this i guess we gotta watch this now <laughs> apparently there's not people do things but, but they uh, didn't lock it down they didn't they- <laughs> <laughs> her down as a permanent companion. Uh, you can't kill by her. By the way, you kill her. she did, especially by the end of it, a pretty good acting job. Does yeah. she act much? Else? I think she I does. I mean, I think she does. This wasn't certainly wasn't her. Like had never been in front of a camera before, and suddenly started. So right. I think she does stuff on the side. So she but, wasn't yeah. scared of it. And <laughs> yeah, she wasn't, didn't feel that it was stealing her soul or something like that. Insisting on backup dancers, and they're like, "You're a single character. I have dancers behind me. I don't go on." <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, so number six, uh, and then uh, Terror of the Vervoids. Um, yeah, it's interesting your your comments on the plot. Like, so Terror of the Vervoids does a little bit better for me because I think it's better than most of that era's Doctor Who in terms right, of right. attempting to have a, a, a story. <laughs> so, you know, they it, a lot of them were just gratuitous violence, or they didn't quite hang together. Or they didn't really even bother with this. Uh, you know, a, a plot that was intricate enough to try to work out what was going on. So at least this one, they tried to do a mystery. Um, they do, you know, and they, they very uh, ham handedly, you know, plant clues and then discover clues, like the whole thing with the, uh, their little voice activated things. So he has to, we have to take t- 10 minutes of our lives to get that explained to us several times uh, in the, in the trial. Um, but, it, but they tried, they tried to have sort of a story uh, and, and a mystery around it. Uh, and then it does, it does work towards a conclusion. Um, and, you know, the doctor solves the puzzle. Uh, 
so I, I, I give it points for that. Uh, as, as I think I mentioned, it stands out in this season. <laughs> for me, it's the best one this season. Um, oh, those are a bit of a mess. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I also like, um, I love Mel. I think Mel's great. Um, uh, she was, uh, uh, as I mentioned before, she was a child actress and she had, was, and then speaking of the theater and she was sort of controversial at the time. Um, uh, and you know, I think again, cause Brits had this impression of her, I think she played some annoying character in like a commercial for a runny nose <laughs> I could see that. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I didn't have any, you know, preconceived notions about her. No baggage, no male baggage. Uh, and uh, and I thought she's great. Bonnie Langford's amazing, uh, and she's she's also been really good in the audios. Uh, so yeah. So for that, the softer the introduction of Mel, the softer Six Doctor, a little bit better story. I put it at uh, number forty six, uh, right above Warriors of the Deep. I think it has more story than Warriors of the Deep. May not make any sense, but it has more story. There's more of it. You cannot deny there's quantity. (laughs) (laughs) Maximum Uh, (laughs) story. Um, And uh, just below Sound of Drums, Last of the Time Lords, um, which is also a bit of a story mess. So I thought it's it's slotted nicely into me. Well, uh, we we, uh, have an exciting moment where we, I believe, (laughs) uh, matched rankings. What? I'm missing something here. Wait, let's hey, go. Get the boys in the lab in here. Is it, does the mainframe crash? Is that happening? Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. No, sorry. I was, I, in attempting to figure out if that was true, I did almost uh, delete everything, but I didn't. And so uh, we have, uh, I don't know what we, I feel like we should win something. Like something should spin around <laughs> if this happens. But we both ranked Terror of the Vervoids number 46 hey. out of uh, 66. And uh, Voyage of the Damned, uh, also exciting, uh, cracks into the top 10, mm. our top 10. Because uh, you have it six, I have it 14, so it ends up uh, getting up there in the top 10. Right next to, interestingly, Robots of Death, which ah. we just mentioned. These robots, the, the host uh, was evocative oh, to me of those, yeah, it was. Oh, those robots. Yeah. Um, mm. so, so that's where we are with that. So it was some exciting, uh, uh, you know, mind mind melds <laughs> the, <terror laughs> the forward ranking uh that's very exciting now uh the the ranking is updated and uh on mindprobe.show which is our website you can see that uh well i don't know i can't promise how quickly to be updated <laughs> with this but the ranking is updated as of as of last week's episode and uh also the i want to make sure people know that the watch order is updated all the way through to the end of this podcast it's done. it's done um it's done. so it's all in there and unfortunately they're going to make more doctor who episodes yeah. <laughs> and so it's what we have to add to that but please check that out mindprobe.show you can also of course subscribe to the podcast we would love if you did that on uh itunes on spotify if you want to fashion your own podcast app yourself <laughs> and, and please use it, us yeah. as yeah. A, a trial podcast to subscribe to whatever it takes um and I want to mention that uh, we're gonna we're gonna switch our cadence a little bit here. We're gonna go to uh, every other week with a new episode. We we've we've caught up. We've done you know thirty three episodes here, so we're humming along, so we can kind of ease into the full one forty <laughs> um, as as we take on these uh, episodes going forward. So this episode's gonna come out on Monday, April twenty sixth. So the savor next it, one, savor it. You've got two weeks. Don't, don't savor it. Yeah, it. exactly, yeah. exactly. And then the next one will come out, oh gosh, May 3rd? No, that's the following week. May 10th, May 10th, May 10th. Uh, so May 10th will be the next episode. And John, what do we have in store for the next episode? Well, uh, Don is back. Don is Yay. back. Uh, yes, uh, um, uh, we have the return of uh, uh, Donna Noble, uh, the beginning of the fourth, uh, fourth season for the 10th Doctor. Catherine uh, Catherine Tate in Partners in Crime, where they take on the the menacing adipose. Uh, And we've paired that with, um, again, another, just this one took a long time to figure out a pairing. Uh, There was a surprise return at the end of Partners in Crime uh, of a old character. Uh, And uh, so I've paired that with the seventh Doctor Story, Battlefield, uh, which includes the return of the Brigadier. It's not quite the same depth of role <laughs> in these two <laughs> returns uh it was the best i could do and i hadn't gotten battlefield in there yet so uh but yes um, and battlefield in a um an interesting challenging seventh doctor story um it is uh, as you watch it keep in mind this was meant to be the grand season opener like this was it this is everything on the table <laughs> 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 yeah 
Well, we look forward to that, John. We look forward to every episode. We look forward to people subscribing to the podcast. We look forward to uh, the return of the Probtini. Hopefully it'll be back. I mean, it's on vacation. It's getting its vaccine. But for now, we take our seltzers and our waters Mm. and we raise them to the sky. And we say to you, John, I say, here's, here's to the future. Here indeed to the future. Quieter in the future. It's a low. <laughs> there it is. Here's the future. <laughs> oh, I thought we lost the future. Oh, boy. The future is here to stay. The future is back this summer. <laughs> Represented by this 50s duo song. <laughs> Show.